So we have been talking about this move of God that is coming on the earth. We've been prophetically speaking of this for quite some time. Um, even Lou Engel called this fast that we're on right now. He actually told, I believe it was 2018, he told Mike Bickle that you need to get ready spring of 2020 for this fast. And lo and behold, here we are in the middle of this fast, and it is the, the greatest crisis that's ever faced our nation and our generation. And so I, it's comforting to me to know that God knows what's going on, right? He, he has warned us. He has prepared us. And what I want to talk about today is how we answer the call as the church right now. How are we answering the call in this very hour? Because you've been placed in this city for such a time as this. This, is, this has been Bill and Tammy's message ever since I walked in this church. You were made for such a time as this. You've been, in, you've been put in this city for such a time as this. And I really believe now things are going to start germinating, coming out of us that God's placed in us for this moment. It is an opportune moment for the church an opportune moment. So that's what I want to talk about today, how we respond, how the church is responding to the situation and how the harvest is coming alongside the crisis, right? There's a crisis. Yes, it's happening, but the harvest is still at hand and we cannot lose our focus. So it's a wake up call for the church. And, you know, I want to put up a slide. It's some of you may laugh at this. Some of you may, you know, we'll see what you think. But this is me when I played football back when I was a kid. So, oh, that's going to be one minute. We'll put that up. we got a small team here. So you'll, you'll see me, and um, now I warned you that this is me. So anyway, just to give you some context, I, I grew up playing football. I was super into it, and uh, I went to the gym every day since, like, you know, I was in eighth grade. I went to the high school gym, and very committed football player. So so when I was playing football, I want to just share with you a moment. You can take that picture off, by the way, because that really was just both the mean. That was supposed to be for like a few seconds. That, that's it. A little too long there on the picture frame. Um, but I was playing football. And so one day, I'm, you know, we're out in the middle of the game. And there is a quarterback, and he's running a sweep around the right side of the field. So I'm, I'm preparing myself, right? He's, he's coming through the first part of the defense. And, and now he's going along the sideline, and I'm the last line of defense. I'm the safety. And I, and I rush up on him, and I go to hit him, and literally there's this crack. And the whole, the whole stadium goes, oh. And the guy falls down. He's, I tackle him. But really he just tripped over my, my body, te technically, is what happened. He tripped over my body, and he fell. But he really ran me over. Like, I was totally bulldozed by this quarterback. He was a defensive lineman, too. I mean, so he was a big guy. But anyway, I get, up, I get off the field, and the coach is like, come over, Colt, come over here. And uh, he says, I, I want to just see how you're doing. I want to see how your mind is. I'm going to ask you a few questions. So I okay. He said, what's your name? My, my, name is, my name is Colt Hemsweiler. Okay, okay, check. He said, what is your favorite food? Oh, well, I love macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. He's like, really? Like, yeah, no, I do. That's my favorite food. Okay, check. Um, and where are you? Where are you right now? Uh, I am attending a football game. So what I told the coach. He said, he said, Colt, would you look down at your jersey? So I, I looked down, and I realized I'm wearing a bright blue jersey. I'm, I'm actually in the game. Like, I'm not, I, I thought I was a spectator, but here I am. I am in the game. And my mind was so jarred by that hit, by that blow, 
trauma on my brain that my memory was shaken and I had no clue that it was actually in the game. In this hour, in this season that we're in, there is a spirit of fear that would want to make you think that you're not a part of this game. That you are an audience member, you are watching the coronavirus, you're watching these things tra take place, but you're not actually a part of it. That is a lie from the enemy. You are a part of this game. God's placed you here to be a player in the game, not on the audience, not, not on the sidelines, but to actually be in the game. So this spirit of fear, I, we're, we're warring against it as we worship right now today because it will try to take you out. It will try to disconnect you from your purpose, your call, your moment. It's the moment for the church to rise up, not to be squelched, not to walk in fear, not to be hidden, but to come out. Look, we're, we're on social media. There's how many churches are coming out. You, even, even in your own social platforms, you're... I hope that you're coming out more boldly in your, in your faith because it's time for us to arise. The harvest is at hand. So I felt the Lord say to me really clearly, and this was just a few days ago. He said, Colt, you are not a consumer. You are not a consumer. You, Colt, are a conduit. You are not a consumer you are a conduit. Now, what do, I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, a consumer, I think we all understand quite pretty clearly, somebody that consumes things. A conduit is actually, an, it's an electrical, like, like basically channel. It's a cord that connects electricity into a building, right? So a conduit cord, it's, it's a, a tube used to protect and route electrical wires into a building or structure. There's the definition. Um, so this principle of consumers versus conduits, I want to layer out real quick. So here's how I see the difference, and this is what I believe the Lord was speaking to me. Consumers. Consumers consume the things of the world to find stability and peace. That's a consumer mentality. I need peace. I need stability. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take things from the world. They rely solely on external comforts, entertainment, media, food, even work etc. External comforts. Now, not that any of those things are bad, but they rely on those for their comfort. That's the problem. Consumers see the world based on worldly experiences and information. That's the only input that a consumer is getting in their life. Consumers allow the circumstances of the world to impact their mind, their will, and their emotions. Very sensitive to things that are happening and unable to control themselves because that is the only input they have. Church, we are not consumers. We are conduits. We are conduits of his kingdom. We are conduits of Jesus Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are the salt and the light of the earth. And that's what we're being called into in this moment, to step into that reality. So what is a conduit? A conduit is a surrendered heart in which God can move through. One that says, God, whatever you want to do, I'll, wherever you want to take me, I'll go. Right now, maybe I'll just go and sit in my in my apartment because that's where I, I'm called to go, but I'll go other places online. I'll go other places for your kingdom, for your glory. A conduit knows their only source of nourishment and energy and hope comes from Jesus. Their only source. That's where their power, that's where their nourishment comes. A conduit relies solely on internal, the internal comfort of the Holy Spirit, not external comforts, internally fused. 
A conduit sees the world through the lens of Scripture and the agenda of Jesus. We're aware of what's happening in the world, but our lens of Christ's agenda and the scriptural truths, that is what guides and directs us in times of crisis specifically. A conduit allows the Holy Spirit to impact your mind, your will, your emotions. You are a conduit for the kingdom. You are an image bearer of Christ. This is your moment. It's time for the church to awaken, and we are. I, I am so, like, I, I'm so encouraged how this community has come together in prayer, how this community has come together in loving one another and finding ways to reach out. I'm already seeing so much of that. So I, I'm just saying, let's prepare even more for the hour that we're in. But I'm seeing it in our, in our church in a beautiful way. I feel so blessed to be in a community that prays, that believes, that stands in faith. In a time of shaking, it will be very clear the consumers and the conduits. Very clear, right? They're going to respond very differently to shaking, to trial. Because one only has external comforts and the other is, is built internally, run by the Spirit. And so they will respond differently. And the world will see right now those that are true conduits of Christ. And that's you and that's me. The world's going to see it. It's going to be so clear. It's going to be so obvious. And Jesus is going to be so glorified. Now, I think of that old hymn. Uh, the hymn is, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Is the, I think that's the actual title of it. But there's a line in it. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shaking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shaking sand. And I just feel like that's so key for this season. We are standing on the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone that is Christ. And the world will see it. And they'll know that Jesus rules and reigns. So I want to go to Ephesians 2. This is uh, verse 19 through 22. It's about the chief cornerstone being Jesus. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In whom you are being built together. The whole building fitted together, growing into his holy temple. We are rooted in Jesus. It, it not only is our source of strength and connection, it also connects us together. Part of the context of this verse is the Jews and the Gentiles coming together and standing on the cornerstone who is Christ. Now that cornerstone, it's the first stone that's laid for a foundation and it cannot be moved. It is the centerpiece holding up the entire foundation. So that cornerstone of Christ, it unifies, and it strengthens, and it makes us unmovable. Because we're, we're, we're rooted in it. We're standing in it. We are set on the cornerstone of Christ. And it will make you stand out now more than ever. It's our opportune moment. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up. Once again, that word built up and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. 
Our faith is going to shine so bright in this moment because we're standing on the chief cornerstone. So I want to take a moment to be honest about fear and anxiety. So if you are a human being, I don't care how mature you are in Christ, there is likelihood that during this season, during this trial, you felt levels of fear and anxiety. The shaking has come, but you may have felt shaking in your own heart. And that is not a, that, that's not a negative thing. That is a, that is a blessing that has given you an awareness of his goodness or an awareness that you need him to fill a place in your heart where maybe you weren't fully set. So I want to encourage you. I mean, I felt fear and anxiety when this thing hit. There was measures of it. I trust Jesus with all my heart, but there's measures of shaking that you will experience. Don't stuff that. Don't hide that. Share that with people. Bring it to the Lord. He is he will strengthen you in that place. If we want to be prepared for this harvest, we can't be stuffing fear and anxiety and thinking, being afraid of telling it to other people. Fear and anxiety will have no hold on us, but we have to bring it into the light and say, Jesus, would you destroy this thing that's trying to war against you? I repent of, of having comforts that aren't you. Would, you. would you come and remove these false comforts and fill me with more of your spirit, more of your truth, that I'd be rooted and standing on the chief cornerstone alone and no shaky sand? So how do we do this? How do, how do we walk out? I, I want to just get into some practical things of how we walk out what the Lord is doing in this season. And I believe there's three really important things that he's doing, um, or there's many more than that, but three that are highlighted to me. It's to be a conduit instead of a consumer, I believe we need to embrace the new things that the Lord is doing. So coronavirus, it has shifted completely our rhythms and routines, completely. Um, and I would propose, while that's awful in a lot of ways, spiritually, this is the time for reset. It's a time for us to get reset. And the spiritual disciplines is what I believe are emerging and they're shift and they're arising to the surface in believers all across this city. So the first thing that I see is new spiritual disciplines and rhythms in this season. So things are shaken up, agendas are, are messed around, but we, we now have actually, some of us have more time and ability to walk in these disciplines. And these are the ways that Jesus walked. I have a quote um, here from Dallas Willard. It's from the Spirit, of, it's a book, Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. And he says, we can become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall lifestyle he chose to live for himself. Spiritual disciplines aren't just some model or method. They're the way that Jesus lived. They're the way he walked. And, and, and I believe as the church right now, when we walk in these disciplines, we are going to be prepared and ready to be a testimony of his, testimony of his goodness right now in the most important hour, the most important hour of our generation. You know, when I was a kid, I, um, I used to watch some of these, like, bicycles, um, like motorbikes, you know, like they're, like, they're, like, really fast. Um, they ride around these, these big turns, and they go over these big um, jumps, Right, so I'd, I'd watch some of that on TV, and then I would try to emulate it in my backyard, like any good boy would. And so I remember, I think my dad built it, or maybe I doubt I built it, but I had a ramp in my backyard, and I wanted to be like these biker guys. And so I set this ramp up at the bottom of the hill, and I took my bike, and I rode down you know, the hill as fast as I could, 
and I hit that ramp, and boom, I shot off, and I'm like, yes, I'm just like those guys, you know, for like two seconds, I'm like off the ramp, feeling like the guys I watched on the TV, and the next second, you know, my bike hits, I'm over the handlebars, and I literally, I think I fell on like a, a stump, like, a, you know, I lived in the woods, I grew up in the woods, you guys, and I fell on a stump, and I'm like, <gasps> you know, I'm totally like, just like, huffing and puffing because I knocked the wind out of my, out of my, my stomach. But my, my point being, you know, sometimes we see things. We see, you know, maybe there are people in God that are doing amazing things or you, you see great miracles or signs and outpourings and you just think you can just go and imitate it and the Spirit of God will come on you and you will walk in signs and miracles and you, you don't need the spiritual disciplines, honestly, to get some of the outputs. <laughs> some of those will flow. But if you, want to, if you want to endure and you want to walk steadfast in a time like this, you need to live a lifestyle that's going to actually keep you connected to the vine, keep you on the chief cornerstone. And spiritual disciplines are the way to actually stay rooted and grounded in a time like this. So what are those disciplines? I'm going to get to a couple. There's way more, so you can look them up if you want to find more. But continual worship and thanksgiving, that's number one. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the message of Christ and all his richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each, each other in all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. If we posture ourselves in continual worship and thanksgiving in this season, you create no room for that fear and anxiety to come in war against you. You create no space for those lies of lack to come in and try to, and try to intimidate you. Because you are in a place of worship, you're in a place of thanksgiving, you're acknowledging what the Lord's done in your heart, in your life, and, and that place is a powerful place. See, consumers, a consumer mentality, we worship just to feel better. We worship because we're not feeling good, we just you know, want to feel better, but a conduit, a conduit worships even when they don't feel like it. Even when I don't want to worship, I'm in my home and I'm bored or I'm depressed because I can't go out and you know, my kids are going crazy or, or whatever, like... You, you worship anyway because you're a conduit, and you know that that's your source. That's your nourishment. That is how you're going to be strengthened and prepared to walk out this life in Christ, to love your neighbors, to not engage with the, the propaganda of fear that's now being spread across the world. Worship and thanksgiving. Number two, daily patterns of prayer and fasting. I don't know if fasting's daily, but patterns of prayer is daily, Fasting may be daily if you're Lou Engle and maybe if you're somebody else on this call. But this isn't a call. This is a live stream. But you get where I'm going. Daily patterns of prayer and fasting. Our dependence on the Lord is, is revealed in these times of shaking. And it, how, we are, how we pray, it really, it really shifts in these moments. I've seen so much more prayer happening like since this thing has taken place. Um, and I believe prayer is going to flourish. Even It's going to be... It's going to be so infectious across it. More infectious than coronavirus is prayer. The spirit of prayer. Come on. The spirit of prayer is, is going across the city. And churches all across the city, we're united in it. Those that pray together stay together. I don't know who said that, but that is true. Like, we're united together across the city. I believe that's a quote from Jules. <laughs> Way to go, Jules. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ. If you need peace, one of the things you can do is pray. 
Because prayer will actually release peace in you, and it gives you God's perspective. 2 Corinthians 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We've been praying this verse a lot. When we pray, we come from the posture of humility as well. We, we're humbled. We're saying, God, we repent. We, we don't understand all the, all the things with coronavirus, but what we do understand is we, we want to repent of anything that we've done that's off. We want to cover this city. We want to repent of any. For ourselves, but even for our neighbors, for the nations, we, we come and we repent to you humbly. So when you pray in this season, come from this humble posture, and, and we'll see our land healed. That's what, that's what Second Chronicles says. We'll see our land healed. We have to pray. And, it, and we're doing it. I just feel like this is a spiritual discipline that we, we, we may need to institute. We may, in your own life, find these patterns, these rhythms of prayer. Set aside time, even more than you did before. And, and commit yourself to prayer. And fasting really helps in that place. It helps you get discernment. It helps you hear from the Lord more clearly. It helps you put the flesh to rest. Because he is dead. Jesus killed your old man. So we don't have to listen to that thing. So, we, so prayer and fasting is so key in this moment. We also pray from a place of authority. A place of victory. Ephesians 1 verse 20. He raised Jesus up from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. Jesus is sitting above all of it. We are praying to a God who is more powerful. We are actually seated in heavenly places with him. We're praying down on the principalities and powers. And we talked about this before. We don't pray against principalities and powers. We pray for Jesus to come and have his way in the earth. We partner with him. And, and they're going to have to go because Jesus is above them. <laughs> so that's just how it is. Uh, consumers pray according to what they see. So a consumer can only pray based on the worldly inputs. They're seeing these things, and they're very reactionary, right? It's just responding, oh, you know, stop this, heal this. Like, but conduits know what God is doing and what God is saying. And it, there's, a level, there's still a level of you know, uncertainty, but you're more aware, and you're praying from his will, from his desire, not so much just reactions to what you're seeing. Father, give us discernment for how to pray in this hour. Give us discernment. Give us wisdom for how to pray. We want to pray right now. Not just set aside times or patterns. We want to pray your heart, your will. Last one, meditation on the word of God. This spiritual discipline is is really like, you know, we talk about reading and studying the word, but meditation on the word is actually more of a biblical reality of what we're called to do, is meditate. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. That can sound so intense, but... When you have the word in you, even when we're singing the songs that we're singing, there's these verses, just sing songs over yourself all day long. You're meditating on his word. Find songs that are rooted in the scriptures and sing them over yourselves. It's that easy. But also find those chunks. Find that good, like, verse that just speaks to your heart and just keep reading it over and over and over again. Mine's been Psalm 18 during this whole thing. 
over. God, you are my strength. You are my refuge. You are, like, just find those things that really anchor your soul in God and just repeat them and repeat them. Write them on an, on an index card. I mean, we're, we're at our homes. Like, put them all over the place. Annoy your roommates. But put scripture, like, hide scripture in their bed at night. Um, you know, let's, let's, it is the moment to meditate. And what does that produce? So the Psalm uh, chapter 1, verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water it brings, that brings forth fruit in its season and whose leaves shall not wither, shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. That is what, when you meditate in the word, you will be able to run the race. You will have endurance for this season that we're in. Consumers read the Bible, or they read any content for that matter, to simply increase their knowledge base. It is, a, it is a way to increase knowledge, maybe even to talk to others from a knowledgeable standpoint. Conduits read the Bible, yes, for knowledge, but more so to go deeper into what God is saying and doing. It, it's, it's, they allow the scriptures to actually shift and transform them, and that's what we want to do in this season. Let, let's not just be those that consume knowledge and scriptures and repeat them without them impacting our soul. Let's, let, let's meditate in a way that it transforms how we think, our mind, our will, and our emotions. All right, that was just number one, but the other two are pretty quick. So, so number one, um, the new things that's happening, the new normal, the spiritual disciplines and r- new rhythms that are coming forth in our life. Secondly, new levels of service and care for others. We are in an opportune moment to care and serve our city, even from our even from our bedrooms and from our, from our apartments. Like, they're, they're really, the, the opportunity is still, is still here and still, still ready. Um, if we could throw up, I have another slide to show. Um, so th- the slide I'm about to show up or throw up, you know, St. Patrick's Day just recently happened. I don't even know when it was. During all this stuff, you just, you know, you don't even know. I don't really care. Um, but, I mean, bless St. Patrick, but you know what I mean. So my daughter, she put together this um, this, you'll be up on the screen now. This is a, this is a leprechaun trap. That's what this is, okay? Very sophisticated, and you, um, you will notice that it's very persuasive, you know? It's, it's saying, hey, come up the steps. I believe it says, come up the steps, and I won't trap you. It's okay. Just come up here, um, and here's some candy. Here's a bag of Skittles that you can enjoy. So my daughter is four years old. She is, a, you saw her earlier in the video. She is attempting to you know, coerce this leprechaun into her trap. And, of course, she's going to put the lid on it and snag him. Um, so that, anyway, that's, that's our leprechaun trap. It's still at my house. My, you know, um, no leprechaun has gotten in it yet, just to let you know. Um, but so this trap, I really compare it to the, in this season to this, the natural instinct for self-preservation. So I'm sure if you were like me at all, it's like, when you start seeing things go off the shelves, you know, there's no toilet paper. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I got paper towels, but I don't know. that I can't throw them in. I can't throw those down the toilet. And what about the plumber? And, you know, all these things start coming in like these self-preserving thoughts, right? And not all those are bad, but those are baits that are going to keep you not focused on what God is doing, right? They're going to keep you off kelter. So I really believe that in this season— we, we're actually called to be more aware of others than ourselves. So many, there's some of you on here that you've lost your job. And I mean, you, you need to be aware of where you're at, of course. But there's still an opportune moment to serve in that place of need. 
And that is where Christ is going to shine so bright in this city because that is not natural. Okay? Self-preservation is a natural thing, and we all react to it. But giving generously, loving, serving in the midst of need is spirit-led, and it's going to reveal Jesus to the nations. This is our posture in this hour. The church is marked by generosity. That, that is, it's a hallmark of who we are. It's, who G, it's what Jesus emulated. And I love what Tammy is saying. People are giving, they're helping their neighbors. I feel like, too, just even pray, God, how can I be generous to those that are in and around me? You're seeing your neighbors a lot now. How can I, how can I reach out and, like, love on my neighbors? Who do I need to get groceries or who do, who do I need to serve? How can I serve people even online or people that are, you know, that I haven't talked to for a while? God will, will bring those people to your mind. And it's an opportune moment to serve and love in this time of crisis. Say, my needs are important, yes, but I'm going to be aware of the needs of others and serve them, especially the elderly in this time. But we want to be so aware of, of even the need to distance so that we're protecting those in our community and in the city that are the most vulnerable. And that actually in itself reveals the love of Christ. It's such a weird like shift, but it, it is the reality, and it's how Jesus is, is revealed. I want to look at Acts chapter 4, and this is, the context of this is a church in a time of crisis. Now, this church, um, they're facing persecution, so you just had Peter and John who, you know, healed this crippled man, and now they're put on this council, and basically the whole, the whole you know, the, the Jewish leaders at the time are really upset. They're really upset. They're frustrated, and the church is now in a place where they have to respond because they feel they're feeling the persecution weighing on them. So I want you to see how the church in Acts 4 responds in this time of crisis. This is Acts 4, chapter, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on the threat. So there, we just went into a prayer, in a prayer meeting right now. We are in a prayer meeting in the Acts 4 church. Now, Lord, look on the threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So they're being persecuted and pressed. And just like us right now, they, they, in them they say, gosh, I'm a, I'm a conduit. I need, I need the nourishment. I need the strength of Jesus. i got to cry out in prayer. And the Lord meets them there, and boldness comes on them in that moment, and the Holy Spirit, so right now wherever you're at, I just pray the spirit of boldness would come on you, that the Holy Spirit would just even come into your apartment right now, and rest on you, just like it did in Acts 4, and embolden you to be the love of Christ, to be a conduit of the kingdom, right now, in Jesus' name. So they pray for boldness, and they get it, but I want to read this next part, because they get more than that. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, right, right after this. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all these things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all, their, all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. So not only did they get power, not only did they get, did they get boldness, but they were unified 
And that's what's happening in the church. We're unified. And, and so it's so key. We're aware and we're serving one another. And we're connected to one another because that is really, that's the place of power. And that's where the Holy Spirit is going to reveal Jesus in, in a way that the world cannot emulate. If you go down to Acts chapter 8, I won't read it, but at that point, there's still persecution going on. The church is, is literally scattered, and, and the word begins to be boldly preached through the scattering of the church. Well, we're in a situation right now, there's many of you tuning in, you are in places all over the country. We did men's group last week, and we've got like six or seven, you know, states represented on the call. You know, you're with your families, you're with your friends. You found a place, you know, for during this crisis to really camp out and, and you know, and do work and, and be able to be who you are. Those places, you've been scattered to share the gospel. You've been scattered to bring Jesus, to repair families. We've been praying a lot about generations and families. We're here. We are here. It's time for the fathers and the, and the sons to come together, for the mothers and the daughters. It's time for families to be renewed and restored. And you don't have to be sitting in your family's home to be a part of it. But it, the time is now. The time is now. Begin praying for your family members. Begin declaring truth over them. And, and even these spiritual disciplines are going to prepare you to bring the kingdom in the homes that you're staying in with friends, with family. We're scattered, but the kingdom of God is alive and active in us. So a crisis actually drives us out of a consumer mentality. Isn't that good? So if you're like, oh, man, I feel like I've been a consumer. Oh, Lord, that's, I don't want to be. Okay? Like many, you know, I feel like that sometimes. Come on. Like, this is the reality. If, don't give it another minute. Just say, God, I repent. Deliver me from consumer mentalities. Take me into a place where I'm a conduit for you. Use this moment to, to root and ground my life in you even deeper. And I want to encourage you, you can actually be, you can consume things that seem really good, but are, are put you in a consumer mentality. Like, you can, you can over-binge, you can even over-binge on sermons. Like, we don't want to be consuming things without being in connection, in communing with the living God. We don't want to be consuming things without being connected with other people. So, make sure, I, I just, I really encourage you, make sure, stay connected to one another, stay connected to your heavenly father, let's put that time first. And we're being delivered from consumer mentalities. We're conduits now. Thank you, Jesus. Worship team, you guys, you guys can, uh, can come, come up. And I just want to give a big shout out to Kevin and Rachel. They're amazing, and they came in today. So thank you, guys. Um, so last point, number three. New hearts are opening to the gospel. So this is the new normal, right? And you can put the slides behind me. So the new normal are new spiritual disciplines and rhythms coming forth right now. They're new ways to serve and care for others. And there are new hearts opening to the gospel. Hearts that were so hard have become so soft, just like that. That quickly. And I want to encourage you, people that before maybe turn you, turn you down and seem like they were completely shut off, go back. Go back. Seek the Lord. Say, God, who do I need to reach out to? Who do I need to pray for? You know, people, some of you in the offices that you work in, you know, you're virtual with, with these people. They may have no social connection versus what 
you're giving them during these work hours. They may, they, they, no faith and no social connection. These people need Jesus so desperately. And you can just ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? Are you doing okay? Just even tiny things, I'm telling you, God will open doors. Just through simply saying, how can I pray for you? How can I, how can I serve you in this time? God's going to open doors because hearts are open and they're ready to engage with the gospel of truth. Some of you are going to see your neighbors a lot now. You didn't even probably know they existed. And now, like, you guys are all, like, you know, walking the block six feet apart together. And I, I really believe, you know, there's people that the Lord has positioned us with right now in this season whose heart, every person you now start to see on a regular basis, assume that their heart must be prepped and ready and softened for the gospel. New rhythms, new patterns, new people. You've been assigned new people to pursue and love, and some old ones still as well, but there's going to be new people now that are coming to your communities, and into your, into your social media feeds, into your, you know, the neighborhoods you live in. So, Father, we thank you. I just, wherever you're at, I just want you to stand up and, and, and lift your hands out right now. And we do have some, some prayer leaders that are going to be getting ready now on, um, on Zoom. So for, for our prayer leaders on Zoom, if you would just get into Zoom now. We're not going to go to Zoom yet, but our prayer leaders, please go to your Zoom prayer pods. It's a cool name, prayer pods. So let's just all stand. Put your hands out before you and close your eyes. Jesus, would you make us conduits for Christ? Jesus, you can repeat it with me. Jesus, deliver us from temptations to consume worldly comforts in this pivotal hour. Jesus, we are rooted in you and you alone. Jesus, I thank you for the grace to engage with new things in this season, for the new things that you're doing. I just release that to all of you on the live stream. Grace to operate in the new things. No shame, no condemnation, but grace to pivot, to transition, to set your heart before him anew. God, we thank you for new spiritual disciplines and rhythms coming forth in our life. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you highlight even strategies for how to, how to live this new life in you? how to be connected to the vine daily in, our, in the new place that you put us. Father, we thank you for new levels of service and care for others. Give us more love for our neighbors. God, break our heart for the things that break yours. God, make us so aware of the elderly, of the poor, of the homeless, of those that are, that are, that are struggling more than we are in this season. Make us so aware. Make us so sensitive to their needs. Show us how to meet their needs. Show us how to direct them to you. And God, we thank you for the new hearts that are opening to the gospel. We thank you, Father, for new opportunities to declare your goodness and your kingdom in this city and on all the cities of the earth. We thank you, God, for unity in the church. And we just pray right now that we will be unified, not just in this church, but across the churches of the nation, that global, globally we be unified in you, Jesus. I just want to pray one last thing. Psalm 91, 9 through 10. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. I declare that over you and your household. 
No evil shall befall you, befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Father, we thank you for your divine protection. We thank you for your covering in this hour. We stand here on the cornerstone of Christ against this disease, against the injustices that have been released on the earth. And we thank you, Father, for healing, for wholeness. We thank you for ending this virus. God, would you end this virus? Would you cancel it? Would you make it void? Would you make it not, not, even, not even addictive in any way? Father, would you just stop the spread completely right now in Jesus' name and eradicate coronavirus in the name of Jesus.